So, we continue in our series of 1 Peter. So if you have your Bible, you want to turn there. We're going to be headed to there today. And as we've been studying Peter, Peter is an interesting character in many ways, right? Did you know that Peter's name is not really Peter or wasn't his birth name, right? It was Simon, right, right. It got changed, right? Jesus changed it. And the, and the word Peter actually means rock. And it's kind of interesting because today's lesson, when we get into it a little bit more, you're going to hear that reference of rock and the illustration of rock. And I'm going to put a disclaimer out there right off the beginning. All illustrations at some point in time break down, okay? But for the purpose of the text today, it really works well with rocks and living rocks. And guess what? You folks here, many of you here this morning are a bunch of rocks. There you go. How's that? Now, I didn't say you had rocks in your head, Ralph, just so you know, before I get in trouble and insult you too much this morning, but you're a bunch of rocks, many of you. But rocks are important, and we'll see it in the text this morning. But Peter is writing this letter in a time when things are really unsettled. He's older, he's most likely in prison when he writes this, and persecution is starting to ramp up even more. And so it's an unsettled time. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's gone back to heaven. And it's a few years down the road, about 30 years down the road since that event took place. And the church is still struggling, trying to get going. Missionaries are going out. And God's doing some amazing things. But it's not easy. Does it sound familiar? It's not easy being a believer in today's world. It's tough at times. And there are struggles and there's things that push against us. And this letter, even though it was written long ago, is just as important today as it was when it was written. Because it's not easy. We live countercultural to what's around us. And there is pressure. Now, there's different pressures from different times, but there's still pressure. And as we looked in chapter 1, Peter even says, you're an alien, you're a stranger in this land. You don't fit in. You're not comfortable. You're only passing through. And he points back to Jesus, though, and how important it is to remember our salvation. And how important that is. Peter emphasized it over and over again. You'll see it even again today, even in chapter 2. Salvation is important. That is the starting point of our life as a believer. That's a promise. That's true. That's always there. But then after that, there's some things to do as believers. And it doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're still not going to come under some pressure. And now that we have to change, because we do have to change as believers, we have to grow up a little bit. And if you were here last week, remember the, the bar got set pretty high. Read that passage that says that, be holy as I am holy, right? That is the goal to be more and more like Christ. And so that's the, the, what we're pointing towards. The great thing here is scripture doesn't just say, well, you got to be this, you got to be holy and not give you anything to help you with, getting that to, to reach that mark. Right? We've been given the Holy Spirit. Peter mentions how important God's Word is. Those are all tools. Those are all things that will help us become and to conform more and more like Christ. Now, I told you this morning, I've already called you rocks, and we're going to look at that, but I want you to have the picture in your mind that the rock is like a big hunk of marble. Okay? I'm not talking about a little stone that's out in the field, but a hunk of marble, Right? And it's chiseled out a little bit, but it's just a big block. And you'll see where I'm going with this in a little bit longer. But 
you know what? That big block is pretty ugly by being. It's a big square rock. And it needs some shaping. It needs some retooling. It needs some work. And as we look at chapter 2 this morning, we're going to see where some of those things need to be kind of chiseled off. So chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. All right? Those are some things that need to be chiseled off. Think of them as like bad spots on that big rock, right? You know what? You can't do much with it. There's no way to make it look pretty. You just got to get it out of there. You got to get rid of it. You got to cut off that. Get rid of it. Put it aside. It's of no value. It's not going to help you. So those are a couple of things that need to be taken off right at the beginning. And then in verse 2, he says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So it's a progression, right? It's something that's going to continue on. And we need God's Word. We need to, to, to continually take part of it. And I always say, not only read God's Word, marinate on it a little bit, but also allow it to change you. Allow it to do its work in your life. That's part of that. That shows you these areas that, that need to change, things that need to come off of you. And in verse 4 here, we get into this a little bit more about this stone, this big block of who we are. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice, accepting to God through Jesus Christ. Right? Just as Jesus Christ was the, the, the cornerstone, the stone, the, the living stone, the, the breathing, the beginning of it all, it says you also are living stones. See where I say about metaphors break down, right? Because we don't think of a rock as living. It doesn't change much. It just sits there. In fact, I'm sure there's rocks probably somewhere out here that have been there for many years, and they don't go anywhere. They don't change. Peter used it. It's a living stone. It's changing. It's a, if you want to use the word evolving. But it takes work. It takes changing and doing things to it to make it better. And again, that stone is precious. Jesus was precious to God. And yet he sent him on our sake to die on the cross. Sacrifice, that was what we important that is. It, it costs something. That's the perfect sacrifice. That was what we needed for our salvation. I've also mentioned that Peter uses a lot of Jewish language, right? He's a Jew, and some of his audiences were Jew. And so he uses this, this, a lot of this imagery here is like of the temple in many ways, right? Holy priesthood, sacrifices, right? Kind of that Old Testament flavor to it. Even just as that song, God is always faithful, right? He used those things to continually point to how holy he was, how we are to revere him, how important Jesus was. That's all part of that, part of that relationship. And so he points to that. He goes on a little bit more to say here a little bit about Jesus. And again, we'll kind of draw that picture in a little bit closer. He uses Old Testament here. He says, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay 
a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Right? It's talking about Jesus here, right? Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the key to the whole thing. He is the one where our salvation starts. That's the foundation. That's the building block. Thing off of building a building back then, the cornerstone was the one that started everything off. You measured everything off of that one stone, and that's how you set the whole building. That's the foundation. Interesting, right? Peter's name means rock, right? And some people have confused that, that Peter was the start of the church. Peter's kind of setting that straight. If for no other reason, you could just use this passage and say, Peter's not even saying that he starts off the church, right? No. Jesus is the church. He's the cornerstone. He's where everything starts and forms from. Never want to lose sight of that, that that's what we need to go back to. Again, whoever puts his trust in him does not have to live in shame. It's okay. Jesus is the way. He is the one. He is the one that we center our life around. He's the one that we build our church off from. I love as we've been going through membership class again, and it's always a great reminder, and, and, and you that have gone through it recently will, will ring, resonate with this, but he just keeps saying over and over again, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it's so true. The reason we can say you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, it's about Jesus. We're here because of Jesus. And the scriptures point to that, and they reaffirm that. He is the one that we build everything off from. Goes on in verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Man, is that ever so true? If you want to get into a, a debate or uh, I wish Everett was still here because he was, he was piping up the, the youth are going to be studying apologetics. And it's one of those things that you can, you can get an argument going pretty quick. But go ahead and just, uh, and just in your workplace say, hey, Jesus is the only way. Right? You, it, sometimes that's like pulling a hand grenade, a pin, and, and throwing it in, right? If you have a bunch of people that believe in Islam, that's going to be offensive to them. They're going to get upset. Right? That, that trips them up. Wait, wait a minute. What about Muhammad and... Uh, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit in their religion. Right? What about Hindu? Oops, that doesn't work there either, right? If you're saying Jesus is the only way. Buddha. You pick the other religion. Pick the false religions, and they have a problem. It becomes a stumbling block real in a hurry. In fact, I used to, when I go out and evangelize, I used to say, um, do you know God? I would even ask that question boldly, especially when I was just getting started. I said, do you know who God is? And a lot of people say, yeah, I know who God is. You know what? I, and, and then I would just go on to the next person. I'd kind of leave the conversation. But you know what? I learned through the years that if you really want to get to the deep conversation of spirituality and evangelism, ask the question, what do you think about Jesus Christ? Because that, that all of a sudden narrows things down in a hurry. That pulls things right down to salvation really quick. It's a much better question. But you're also going to run into those folks that, well, I don't, you know, I believe he was a good man. I believe that he was a teacher. I believe he was a prophet, maybe. Yeah, I believe, you know, he's in the Bible. But when you bring him to salvation, 
That causes people to stumble. It causes them to fall. They don't know what to do with that. And even in today's culture, they don't know what to do with it. And you say, Jesus is the only way. Yes, it's exclusive. There, there's only one way. There's not multiple ways. There's no way around. There's only one way. And it's pretty narrow. It goes through Jesus Christ. So Peter lays this foundation and he sets this of utmost importance. And we need to remember that, that that's the beginning of our salvation with Jesus alone. It says they just stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Oh, I forgot one other group in this. You know the other group that had a hard time with this message as well? Had a hard time believing that Jesus was the only way? The Pharisees, but what what were the Pharisees? They were Jews, right? The Jews had a really hard time with this. Again, they were looking for another Messiah. They weren't looking at Jesus. Not all of them, but some of them. Again, they have a problem. It becomes a stumbling block. In fact, it became such a stumbling block, they tried to take it out, try to remove it. It didn't work out so well. For them, for us, it worked out for the best. Verse 9, says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's not talking here about Jews anymore, right? He's bringing it full circle. Now the Gentiles are part of that. There's Gentiles. We are all brought into that. Through Jesus... We are saved. Jew or Gentile, makes no difference. Paul writes about that in his letters as well, right? Statue doesn't matter anymore. Our heritage doesn't matter anymore. It's all about Jesus. It's coming to him. And again, declare his praises, right? I think part of amazing grace, right? Ryan, help me out here, right? It says, I was blind and now I see. Yeah, just using that same path, right? I didn't know about Jesus but now I see. My eyes have been opened to a whole way, new way of living. It's been opened to salvation. It's been opened to heaven. See how encouraging this is, actually, when you read it? You can stand on that. It's encouraging. It's solid. It's a promise. You don't have to be worried about that once you become a believer. That part is set. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you, have not, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're no longer under that penalty anymore. We're not, not stuck in that. We receive mercy. We can have hope. We have Jesus. We have our life in heaven. We have eternal life with him. It's a big difference. It's a big change. Now, I'm not talking here about replacement theology, just so you know. Because it can get a little dicey here, and some people kind of get confused with that. Not saying that, that we replace the Jews and, and Israel and, and all that. No, that's not what it's saying here. It's saying now in this point in time, we all come the same way. We come through Jesus. It's not by our works, not by our heritage. We come through Jesus Christ. It's important not to, to confuse those. Now he brings it back down to us. And again, you can kind of hear that pastoral coming out in, in Peter here and Again, he's talking to people that he knows, people that he loves, people that are struggling. 
He says, dear friends, I urge you as alien and strangers in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Right? He's urging them. He's saying, hey, don't struggle with these things anymore. All right, talk about getting rid of those things, right? Chiseling off, cutting those things, shaping you, molding you. Sometimes it's painful to get rid of some of those things, and we have to cut out things. He says, hey, you only have a short time. You're only here for a little while. And he wants to do that work in you. Again, that rock needs to be shaped. It needs to continue to evolve, grow, and change. And so you you have to get rid of those things that, that hold you back, those sinful things. Because guess what? As a bunch of rocks, and I told you a bunch of rocks, we affect each other. We affect each other. Our sin is not our sin alone. Our sin affects those in the body around us. Again, sin has far more reaching effects than we even realize sometimes. Again, Peter's alluding that, and he's going to continue that. And so he's every once in a while is going to stop and say, hey, Remember, those things, you can't do those anymore. You need to continue to grow. You need to get out of those. You need to get beyond that. It says abstain from those. They war against our soul. They, they do damage, right? They hurt us. They're at our core, and we have to continue to, we have to battle them. It takes effort. It takes work to get rid of those things. I like this next, next verse here, and it's a, it's, again, it's live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Remember, I've said this a couple times, and it's a, it's a reminder. We're always being watched, and guess what? It matters how we live our lives when we leave these doors bit easier here among friends and among family and our Christian brothers and sisters, but I know it's tough when we get outside in the world, when we get to our jobs, places of commerce, and that's when it gets tough. Sometimes even in our families as we, some of us live among members who aren't believers. It says, live such good lives that even when they accuse you of doing wrong, they won't be able to. They'll praise God. You know what? I didn't see it at the time, but no, he was right. He was living for God. He was standing up for what he believed. He had good character. He had good morals. He was representing God well. And that's what Peter is encouraging them. Remember what I said, too, these folks are coming under persecution. So living in that outside world that way could very well cost them their lives. And yet Peter's saying, hey, you still need to do that. You, that's important. It's important how you live outside. All right, this next one, this can be tough. This can be, be a little bit, especially in today's culture, but submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Submit yourselves to those in authority over us. 
right? It'd be difficult. And you can come up with all sorts of excuses, right? Well, hey, that person doesn't even know Jesus. Why would I submit to them? They're not doing things right. They're not part of my political party. I didn't vote for them. I didn't have an option. Is that what it says? Is there out clauses here? Because I don't see them. It's very serious. But why do we have to submit to them? I think that helps a little bit with this passage. Right? Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. God has allowed them. He has placed them there. He's put them there. And for no other reason, because the Lord says to. We need to. We need to submit to those. Now, I will tell you, there is an out clause. Because again, if you look at Scripture as a whole, there is an out clause. If that authority tells you to sin, as we're celebrating sanctity of life today, abortion is a sin. And so that is something we would not do as a Christian. That's where we disobey. Even though, and again, it's an option, obviously. But that's a law that we would not submit to. There are other ones as well, but again, that's always the litany test. Is it a sin? Maybe a discomfort may not be what we want to do. Does not give us the option to not pay our taxes or to revolt. That's not what that scripture is. Submit to them. It's important. God may put them there for a reason. Part of that reason is because God may be using that person to help shape us. Part of that rock chisel off to show us some things. You may need to make some changes. Maybe our pride's gotten in the way and we think we're better than that person who's over us. And he's flipping it and saying, no, we still need to come under. We need to submit to that. It can be difficult, I understand. But again, they were placed there by God and for his sake, we need to do that. They were sent there to bring punishment upon those who are doing wrong. Now, when someone does wrong to us, we want, we're looking for the authorities, right? We want them punished. In fact, we want it probably right now. But if it's us, we want, we want the mercy, right? We want the grace. I always think about the speeding down the highway. The pastor has to work on that. He sometimes has a heavy foot. I could blame it on being from New England, but I really can't even do that. It's speeding, right? But if I whiz by a police officer... And again, I see the lights come on. Guess what? I'm crying for mercy. But you know what? I don't deserve that. I've broken the law. Have you ever tried telling the officer this? Again, I've been pulled over a few times. Shame. I mean, he was. They don't want to hear it. In fact, that's probably almost a guaranteed ticket at that point. Right? Especially in Vermont, right, PJ? Inside joke. But PJ's gotten our last ticket. And again, not that. She necessarily deserved it, but she did get it for speeding. I just had to throw that out there. I may need to ask for forgiveness later, and I may need some help in marriage counseling. So Maybe I should read ahead to chapter 3. It talks about husbands and wives next week, and so we'll get into that about how we're supposed to interact. So. But I'm in chapter 2, so I'm going to stay there for this week. I wasn't planning on throwing that in there. Whenever you go off... Off your notes, you know you're in trouble. But it's so true, right? We want mercy, we want grace, but we just And again, we always look to someone else and we say, hey, what about them? 
But God puts those people in place because we need those. Because if we all just did the, the, whatever speed that we wanted, there'd be more crashes, safety would be affected, chaos would ensue. In fact, we even have examples in the Bible, right? Old Testament, right? In, jo- in Joshua's time, right? They, they did what was pleasing in their own eyes, and guess what? Not Josh's judges, right? And things did not work out well. Things ran amok. So we have to be, we need those things. We need those laws. We need those people over us in authority to help us. It's put there by God. It keeps order. Next verse. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Remember what you were saying about the pagans earlier, right? So then we, we need to be mindful of that as well. Again, Peter was probably being accused, some of these believers were being accused, that they were foolish, that they weren't speaking correctly, they had their thoughts all wrong. Right? But if you do good, it, no one usually argues with you. If you're doing what's right, you may be falsely accused, but it's still the right thing to do. So that's important here as well. Not, not listening to the outside world and getting caught up in that. Right? The way to silence that is to continue doing good and doing the right thing. Again, following God, following his word, growing is all part of that. This next one's underlined in my Bible, these next two verses. And as we close this morning, it'll kind of leave us, kind of wraps it back up and pulls it all together. It says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So it kind of pulls us all back together and kind of wraps it up in a nice little bow in a package. It says, live as free men, but don't use your freedom. Right? We have freedoms in Christ. We have things to do. And again, we can, we can sin without obviously losing our salvation. We have that freedom to choose those things. But as we've read this morning and we looked at Scripture, that freedom is never the covering to do evil. That's not the encouragement. That's not what we see in God's Word. We need to not do those things. We need not to sin. We need to grow in that. Grow in becoming more and more like Christ. And going back to that goal of being holy. Calling us to take some work. We have freedom not to, but that's not what God's calling us. We don't need to, to use that as our freedom to, to sin, to do wrong. This next one is, is interesting. Live as servants. There's so much in this. Live as servants of God. Right? Serving one another. Serving the Lord. Requires something. Takes something from us. It's not easy. It's, it's sometimes hard work. Sometimes it's thankless work. But God sees it. God knows. God knows how important it is. So serving, serving the Lord, and serving people, being the hands and feet. Talk about that often. Appreciate Dawn sharing about laps, and I know that's important to her, and she serves there, and she serves there not only in, in just giving, but she, she gives of herself, she gives of her time. Right? Being servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Everyone is made in the image of God. That can be hard. Probably you just had someone pop in your head and say, all right, I know that, but man, this person's really difficult. 
So you may be saying, your pastor's that way, and that's okay. It can be that. I understand that. But no, really, right? Everyone is made in the image of God. They are all precious. Every single one of them. Right? Jesus died for everyone, for all. All is not just the ones that we like, not just the ones that we get along with, but all. And so at the very minimum, show respect. Right? I always find that with working with people. If you show respect for someone, you at least, by and large, will be able to be heard. You can at least talk to someone. You can talk to someone that's totally polar opposite of you. But if you respect them, it usually de-escalates an argument. It also gives you a footing that you can talk with them. Not always, but showing them proper respect. I know it really works really well with that police officer that just pulled you over, showing them respect. May not still get you mercy, because that's not what you deserve, but it helps immensely as far as that officer. He's about respecting. Again, he's in authority over us, just one of many. But giving people respect, proper respect. Love the brotherhood of believers. Again, brotherhood here, sisterhood, same thing, right? Love. Right? Love those of us who are believers. Again, Peter's, this is churches that are just forming, and there's new people that are coming in, and again, it's growing, and, and love is, can be difficult at times, even among brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Because we're different. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different areas. We may have some different beliefs. I can respect that, but yet I'm called to love. And that love helps. That love binds us together. We did a whole message on love, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Not envy. Does not boast. So Peter is calling the church to, to love one another. Love the brotherhood. Work together, right? Those stones fit nicely together if they're bound by love. They're important. They're part of that building block. That's what Jesus wants. It's part of that love that he showed us that we are to show others. This word fear God is one that can be hard in some ways because some of us kind of picture God as, as sitting distant from us and waiting to come down and just strike us, right? Strike us with lightning or two by fours or just taking us out of the game, right? That fear. But no, it, it kind of goes back with that word respect. Or even I like the word reverence. Remember who God is and give him proper respect and that love. So again, fearing God. And the Old Testament talks about fearing God of our Lord. And it's good to have a healthy fear or respect of our Lord. Don't forget to check with him with things. God, what do you want me to do today? God, is this part of your will for my life? Those are important. Again, fear God. And then, strangely, I think strangely, honor the king. Honor the king. Again, he's wrapping this back around to this, the beginning of this prayer about submitting ourselves to, to everyone but the king, right? Again, and the king here he's talking about is not God the king, because he already said to fear God, but it's the king that's those in charge of you. It's that reminder. Yes, God first, but then those who are over us again. Again, we need to honor that. Again, that can be difficult, honoring 
a king who may not agree with us, may not represent us well. But again, honor him. Respect. Again, it'll go better for us. It'll be helpful in many ways. Do those things. That's part of that growing up. It'll also help us in that outside world when that becomes the issue and that's not the issue. So many times, even in pastor circles and other circles that I'm talking with other believers, we get wrapped up into things that are going on in the world right here and now, and we forget that we're only here for a short time, and our real main purpose is Jesus and to point people to him as believers. And again, we, we, we lose sight of the person or the people or those that are over us, and we forget to pray about them, we forget to Share Jesus when we get those opportunities. This message is going to go on next week, and so don't miss next week because it's kind of like a part two. But I'm going to end part one, but I'm also going to give you a little bit of, of where this is going. Peter is helping this church form with each member being vitally important, but how we work together is going to be important. Our relationships that's what we're going to look at next week, is how is our relationship with one another? How is that helping us work together as the body of Christ? So, how are you doing at being a living stone? How are you, being, how are you doing as being a... Is God still shaping you? Is God still working in, in your life? Are you still growing? How's that going? How are you doing with those outside of church family? How are you doing in the marketplace? How are you doing at your job? How are you doing where you're meeting people who don't believe the same thing? Is God doing a work in your life? Is he shaping you? Is he rounding off some of those edges? Remember I told you about that block as I started off, right? What he wants to do is he wants to keep shaping you and molding you into a beautiful image of Christ. That statue takes a lot of time and polish and work that can stand the test of time. But Jesus is that foundation. So don't forget that as well. And then lastly, how's your reputation? How's your reputation in the community? Kind of can take that out of here as well. How's your reputation in the community? What do others say about you? That's important. Are you pointing them to Christ? Does your faith shine through? Would they know you are a Christian when they see you? Things to think about, to encourage, but also to dive deeper. Get in God's word. Let the Holy Spirit do that work in and through our lives. Pray with me, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, the task seems daunting so many times to live in the world that we live in. But Lord, continue to do your work in our lives. Continue to show us ways that we need to be more and more like you. Let us not become that rock that's unmovable, that rock that's not conforming to you. Lord, may we not lose sight of you. Lord, use us. Mold us, shape us, and use us. 
Lord, we praise you and we thank you. And I thank you for this morning, Lord, and our time together in your word and worship and song and all that's taken place, Lord, and that you would just continue to grow us closer and closer together. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.